This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Greetings. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm about to have a conversation. I, Master Plo, have you heard of this conversation? Yes, Kotor Obi-Wan. You're listening to Star Wars Conversations here indeed. Hello and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is Banter Fodder. A long time ago in a van on the way to Orlando, a couple of nerds had a series of conversations. <laughs> Never get tired of that story because it's so true. <laughs> Same story. But it's a great story. It is a great story, and it's a true story too. It's not based on true events, it's actual events. Yes. 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 That's what's our wives can attest to um, their disappointment yes. in um, our incessant nerdery. Yeah. Did you say detest or no? A test. A test. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I th- well, I mean. That works both tomato, ways. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest today. We and do. Yes, we do. And that's Brandon Wynerdy from Talking Bay 94, a fantastic podcast, which we've been listening to from day one when we started our sort of research and our rabbit hole down for uh, the podcasts uh, we picked up on his show, and we loved the behind-the-scenes aspect of it, and quite frankly, the uh, star-studded list that he gets uh, of, of guests, but also the uh, unsung heroes that I wouldn't have known, and same with Pat, where we actually didn't know that this person did it, and then the contribution, the level of creativity that they add to, whether it's a uh, original trilogy, prequel, or sequel, it's fantastic. So, Brandon, thank you for coming on. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Very cool. So, um, if, you know, there's three or four people who are listening uh, <laughs> and don't know your show. Yeah, the three of us, the three of us don't count. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that one person listening. For you listening, <laughs> we have, uh, <laughs> we have our, um, our, OTQs, as we call them, that uh, Brandon will be answering for us. They're our original trilogy of questions. Yes, that's what that. So, uh, um, yeah, that's the crew. Plus the bonus. All right. uh, we do have the bonus. Yes, the plus, the little plus. Right. Um, <laughs> are you uh, Are you ready to uh, partake in these very difficult and engrossing questions? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the gauntlet. Bring, bring it <laughs> okay. on. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Okay, so the first question is, what is your fandom origin story? Well, uh, I am relatively young compared to some Star Wars fans. So I grew up uh, during the special edition era of everything. I was able to see the, the movies for the first time when they were re-released, uh, what, 97? Uh, and so that's really when my fandom took hold to begin with. And it was great being able to see, imagine seeing Star Wars in theaters for the first time, then Empire a month later, then Return of the Jedi, all on a big screen, one after another after another, and then two years later having Phantom Menace to kind of really dive into as a, as a Star Wars fan. And so that that really kind of took hold for me. I burned through those VHS tapes over and over again. The documentaries especially, that DVD for Phantom Menace is probably one of the best DVDs ever made in terms of bonus features and, and everything. 
Uh, and so all of that kind of combined really just ignited my love for not only the, the movies itself, but how they were made and who made them. And that really has just carried me through uh, everything. And, and it's really what I can attest to my job and, and to what I love. And of course, the podcast itself, and all the toys and books I have around me right now. And so, uh, yeah, it all kind of started with them re-releasing the special editions. And so even though people kind of, you know, crap on them every so often, to me, they still feel like Star Wars, even if it is bad CG and, and kind of a, a funny few editions. So, uh, yeah, 1997 is kind of where it all started. So the second question is, how does Star Wars impact your everyday life? Yeah, uh, and this would have been a different answer two years ago before the podcast started. I'm sure you guys can attest. It is so great having this now as an outlet where the Talking Bay Twitter account is the account I use more often than anything else. And, and it's nice just being kind of plugged in all the time, for good or for bad, um, but with incredible fans like y'all selves and, and just the people that are so passionate and so eager about every announcement and everything that's coming out. And so really, I, I, I can't think of a day that's gone by, especially over the past two years, uh, where Star Wars hasn't been a part of it, right? Whether it's me talking about it or me interviewing somebody or me buying a book. Um, and then uh, it's really kind of bled into everything that I do. Uh, my my current job, uh, I do the marketing for Fangoria, the, the horror magazine. Uh, and so that's all special effects and practical effects. And, uh, and what's great is the bleed over of the people that work on those movies and the people that love Star Wars and worked on Star Wars and so really on a day to day, it's still, it's still, uh, even when I'm working, talking about Star Wars, thinking about Star Wars and really letting it guide kind of what I'm doing. So that's awesome. When we go to work, we talk about Star Wars too, but <laughs> our coworkers are less enthused. My coworkers <laughs> are definitely less enthused as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's why we're all here. I guess it's <laughs> universal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite of the OTQs is the number three. If you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? Now, this could be um, anyone from creators, artists, actors, characters. Um, and um, what would you talk about? This is a good question because you guys sent me this and I had a lot of time to think. And I kept going back and forth, back and forth because it is tough. I know, I think Sky Talkers does it, but they have, I think they give you five, which is still very hard. So one is very, very tough. So this is a, you guys are asking the right questions here. And I think my answer has to be Marshall Lucas. Uh, George Lucas's uh, ex-wife, uh, wow. but also the person responsible for what we know of as the original trilogy. Without her, the, the first Star Wars movie would just be a mess, honestly. Uh, and then that mm -hmm. heart in Empire, and especially Return of the Jedi, is all because of her. And I think we know so little about her Star Wars story and what she contributed to Star Wars from her own mouth. I think 10 minutes eating McDonald's with her would be a, a Star Wars <laughs> masterclass in itself. So that's... That's what I'll I'll say. That's what I'll put. That is a fantastic wow. answer. Wow. She she won an Academy Award for editing Star Wars, the first Star Wars, and then of course helped with Empire and Jedi. But then after Jedi, her and and George broke up. But before then, she was Martin Scorsese's editor of choice. Like she's probably one of the the greatest like film editors of all time. And then has just like not been heard from in thirty years. Uh, and so this is me being stupid. But they announced that she was doing a talk 
in California last summer. And I just, and talking about Star Wars, it was for the Academy, uh, put on a panel about the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. And so I just flew out. I was like, she'll never talk about Star Wars in public again. I live in Texas. It was on a Wednesday. <laughs> and I just used my credit card points, flew out there that morning, went to that thing, slept in the airport, and then flew back. So it was really great, but it was definitely worth it because it was it was her and Ben Burt talking about Star Wars wow. for 20 minutes. Crazy. Uh, but anyway, that's a long story of saying Marsha Lucas all the way. <laughs> it's that a is, great story. It's a fantastic story. Now, that is awesome. I don't, uh, we didn't write a bonus question <laughs> now that I come to think about it because typically we do oh, our uh, OTQs plus the bonus question. I wrote these three. Yeah. It's so, on you, bud. All right. Well, um, <laughs> I have one off the fly, on the fly, if you like. You can answer this one and see how this one goes. Uh-oh. I'm worried. I'm scared. Okay. And this is totally honest because we typically do this. We write something that's specific to the person. And uh, in our excitement, uh, we forgot to do that. So something easy, <laughs> but I think it'll be interesting from your perspective. So the you've spent now two years, like you said, uh, interviewing people and having a Star Wars podcast, and you've gotten into uh, the in-depth questions that you've asked people, and you've found out more about them. How has your podcast helped you find out more about yourself in the past two years? What have you learned about oh, you? That's a great question. Uh, and let me think about it, because it, it is interesting for me where this the podcast, if you listen to it, I try to cut out as much of myself as possible, right? I, mm -hmm. I cut out any ums and, and you know, uh-huhs and, and really just try to make it about that person. And I think through that process of not only having to hear myself <laughs> over and over again kind of fanboy and, and freak out that I'm talking to all my heroes and people that I idolize through the years, um, but I, I think it helps me realize that the people that I grew up reading about and watching on documentaries – uh, are just people like me and their passion and, and their creativity is what made them successful. And I think that's helped me a lot, especially in my professional uh, career, but also um, producing the podcast and interacting with other people where it's just like by being creative and being unique, that's where their success lied. And I think that's where, you know, I could find success as well. That's a great answer. Because you know that was a great it, question. Well, <laughs> and you know what's funny is when you interviewed Julian Glover, that mm. interview, um, that one, and I even told Pat about this was that, you know, you have this. Oh my God, it's Julian Glover. I mean, he's he's part of like some really core franchises that we hold very near and dear to ourselves, and we quote him quite right. often. Um, but he's just a regular person, you know. Like, okay. and you sort of forget that, right, when you're doing these types of interviews and. You know, we've had a chance to uh, uh, to meet James Arnold Taylor and, of course, you know, like uh, Peter Mayhew, rest in peace. But, you know, when it comes down to it, they're just fans as well. You know, that's that's the wonderful aspect of these people who come off as, you know, not untouchable, but certainly at, at a distance from where we are because we've you know grown up idolizing them for whatever reason on movies or TV or whatever. And they end up just being regular people. And that, you know, and that's one of the reasons why we like your show as well is because that that personable feeling comes off and that's, a, that's fantastic. I appreciate it. I will say I was um, at a, an advantage with the Julian Glover interview because the night before uh, I ate pizza with him uh, at celebration. So 
it did help me humanize him leading into that interview because otherwise I might have been even more scared. But yeah, it was, I don't know if you all went to Celebration, but it was the night of the podcast meetup. And so I had the choice of either going to the podcast meetup or having pizza with Julian Glover and then Anthony Forrest, who played the Move Along Sand Trooper. And I was like, oh, I'll do this one. Yeah, what what podcast meetup? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other podcast meetup. Yeah. <laughs> we uh we were at celebration and uh that's a fantastic story that's fan that's amazing <laughs> and actually i was just gonna bring this up um because uh you know charles you mentioned the the just fandom of these stars mm-hmm. um and the two two things come to mind for me i, I the the adam pally um on jimmy kimmel uh, clip resurfaced online, I guess, for May the 4th, where he talked about how for his birthday when he was like three, he invited Mark Hamill and oh. Mark Hamill, of course, didn't come. Um, so and um, I think it was um, I think Kristen Bell was hosting instead that's, of Jimmy or something. Right. And Mark came, gave him a lightsaber and told him he's sorry, he missed his birthday and all. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and then you see you, you see that where, um, you know, you get these these famous people that are super fans, and then the tie-in with celebration that this reminded me of was um, <laughs> when we saw on the uh, live stage where um, Donald Faison and Bobby Moynihan were just so excited to be in Resistance. That's right. And they're jumping around That's like right. hugging each other, just excited <laughs> to be in a Star Wars. <laughs> they're on stage, but they could have just been as easily in the crowd. That's very true. Very true. Right. Right. And that's right. That reaction, that actor. What Adam? What's his last? What's his name? Adam. Uh, the guy from uh, Jimmy Kimmel. No, he well um, was it Adam Scott? I think it was Adam. Scott. Adam Scott. Yeah, and he oh, got the Scott. lightsaber, yes. and you could see on his face like he was yes flabbergasted. He was like just torn asunder with the fact that Mark Hamill was there and with the lightsaber. That 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 is very cool. That is <laughs> that's such a great clip too. <laughs> oh. And Mark. And Mark, yeah, Mark. of course, good old Mark. Yeah, we're on first name basis with him. <laughs> <laughs> good old Mark. <laughs> oh man, because of the restraining order. Well, yeah, um, yeah, we don't, we're not anyway. specific. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> it's a good way to get his autograph, right? Yes, that's it. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. We have it framed in the other room. It's yeah. great. We got him to. Tr- we actually got him to sign on tracing paper, and then we just sort of transfer to different documents. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and our photo. And our photo. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so back to this. Yes. But we digress. Um, we we always do. That's, yes. That's how we do. Yes. Um, I have a question for you, Brandon. Um, kind of to get into your mind and and kind of what makes you tick with not only your podcast, but kind of your um, endeavors in general, okay? Um, when did, I mean, you mentioned um, the Phantom Menace DVDs among the greatest of all time. Uh, when did that sort of behind-the-scenes look become so important to you as a fan? Yeah, uh, and I can even trace it before that, which uh, special edition of A New Hope, there is that Anatomy of a Dubak special feature uh, on the VHS about like why they made Jabba the Hutt the way he and why they made the Dubak way. 
Um, and I just, I mean, maybe it was just because I watched that VHS so many times, but I also was watching that documentary that led into the, the movie so many times over and over again. And I've joked about it before, which was, because um, I grew up in a pretty conservative household in the sense that I was not allowed to watch anything that wasn't like PG and that was pushing it, right? Like I remember watching Temple of Doom uh, or I was watching Raiders and my parents were like, what's going on? Like, are we, are we serious here? <laughs> and so a lot of what I was able to watch movies, quote unquote, through were through behind the scenes documentaries or through making of books or magazines like Starlog and Pangoria and Star Wars Insider. Um, and that's kind of almost where I experienced movies before I even watched them. And so kind of as I went through growing up and, and watching more and more movies, a lot of the, my first uh, impact, I remember seeing The Fly, uh, but the maquettes and the puppets before I even watched The Fly or Who Framed Roger Rabbit before I even you know saw any part of that movie. And so I think it almost became the movie for me was, was the documentaries and, and learning what actually goes into making them. That's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's funny that you mention um, Raiders because one of the earliest memories I have of seeing a behind the scenes uh, documentary was on PBS. So like, so I grew up in Montreal and uh, mm-hmm. my mom used to subscribe uh, and support uh, w, like a PBS station in uh, upstate Vermont and they had obviously their regular um, fundraisers and that kind of thing. And one weekend they're having an action adventure uh, movie marathon, which was part of their uh, their fundraising event. And before um, uh, before Raiders was it Raiders? Yeah, it was Raiders. Um, they had a documentary on of the making of, and this was like for me it was it was like magic. It's like oh my gosh, like and I, you know probably at that point I was maybe. 10 12 so I'm, I'm dating myself here but this was on tv and i don't know when it was produced or when it was uh was broadcast originally but it was very close to the actual it may have been uh, last crusade was already out so maybe a couple of years before and i remember seeing the uh the special effects of like how they launched the uh the army truck into the uh into the, you know they used like basically a telephone pole at time and the way they they filmed uh Indiana under the truck and how he was like in a trench and he was holding on to his whip and that's the way it was done. Those types of things like Mike, I, I remember literally thinking I can still, you know, remember cre- clearly where it's, wow, this is the movie, but this is how they made it. This is how they made me think that it was actually real. And from that point on, I always had that behind the scenes uh, thirst as well, where it became, oh, how do they do that? And you mentioned Fangoria and even Starlog. I see you wearing a t-shirt for Starlog. Um, yeah. yeah, the um, Fangoria was a was a huge magazine where I used to look, uh, you know, and, and you know, like uh, whatever horror movie was coming out, all those types of sci fi things coming out. They'd have behind the scenes pictures of Stan Winston and all his, uh, right. all the way he did everything. And it wasn't so much a, you know, looking behind the curtain, but it was like a really a fascination of how the artists then came into play, and that's how what you've been able to do with your show where you've had the, you've had these artists on and you, you get behind what we finally see on film. And that's, what's fantastic about what your show does. And uh, when you interview these people, do you have, like you go through and research them or like, how, like, how does that process work for you? Yeah. It, cause it, it, it really, if I don't research ahead of time, I get even more nervous. 
than Arrow of War, and I've cut it out, and I've almost wanted to put it at the end of the podcast, is the 20 seconds of silence while, like, it's dialing, and I'm just like, oh, crap, oh, crap, you know? Because, like, <laughs> like, people like Dennis Muir and, and Phil Tippett and Lauren Peterson, people that, like, I, like, idolized and, and read so much about that when I go into those interviews, I don't want to ask the same questions that they've already answered, uh, but I also don't want to ask them things that they might uh, not like or might just kind of shut down the whole interview, especially when there's so much writing on that. Uh, and so I've talked about it a little bit. Actually, I, I interviewed someone today who was responsible for a lot of it, Dan Madsen, who was the founder of the Star Wars fan club and uh, started the Star Wars Insider. And because that's, wow. and I, I've joked about it with the Blast Points guys, with Jason from Blast Points, where those Star Wars insiders, especially the early ones from, you know, 1990 to 2002, are just incredible. Like, more than any mm -hmm. other coffee table book, more than anything, they covered so much and they were so honest and, and so interesting with who they were talking to that those, more than anything, I go back to as a researcher, just like, oh, what did they even ask? For instance, Ken Ralston and I interviewed on Monday, and I went to the Star Wars Insider 55 or whatever it was and looked up what they asked him. Wow just as a basis, um, and that, that's been super helpful. Um, and then, of course, the Rinsler books are, I've read them probably tens of times now, just of, of the wealth of information they have, and a great index as well. I can just kind of look up who by last name. Um, and so that's kind of my initial steps. And then from there, it is kind of tailored to each person. And I love looking up previous interviews just to see, A, what they're comfortable with, but B, what they might have been asked a hundred times. I don't ask that, you know, so it's kind of a balance, but the Star Wars insiders are always the, the first thing to go. That's cool. That's very cool. And wasn't Dan Madsen also involved in the very first celebration? Like, was he mm -hmm. sort of a spearheading of that? Yeah. So, uh, Pete Fletcher, and I brought up in my interview as well, Pete Fletcher did a mm -hmm. really great interview with him. Um, and I forgot who the other man in that interview was, but it was the two, uh, he was the MC and then Dan Madsen was the coordinator of it all. And uh, it's a great, like, hour-long interview about, like, how that actually came into play and all the mud and all that. It's so he did not only Celebration, uh, but also started the Star Wars fan club, the Star Trek fan club, the Lord of the Rings fan club. Uh, wow. And then, I mean, everything. Uh, so it was really cool to, to hear from him. And then he helped Ashley Eckstein with her universe, uh, getting that started as well. Wow. So, okay. so, yeah, he's like an unsung hero, in my opinion, of like fandom and, and where we are right now. So, uh, yeah. so, yeah, stories like that really just get me going. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Ashley Eckstein's her universe is total love letter to fans. It's yeah. so great. Oh, yeah. And it's quality stuff, too. I mean, it's and she's an amazing person. I mean, Pat, yeah. Pat met her uh, when we went to Celebration, actually. We got there uh, Thursday night. Uh, and how that we were just there just to go take a look, right, Pat? You were there. We were uh, there. Well, we were in the store for a bunch of time. Um, the line, rather. Oh, that's for, right. Um, several hours. Um, met um, some great people, Sean and Mandy. Sean and Mandy uh, Crimmins, um, awesome people. Check out yeah, uh, Mandy yeah. Crimmins. She's got a fantastic recording career, burgeoning career, and great yes. people, funny. We spent literally seven hours with them in a line. And oh my God! Lifelong friends, amazing people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, that took up that entire preview day. And um, the show store, the, the show floor rather, was still open for like ten more minutes. Um, so I'm like, let's run in real quick, kind of get a lay of the land for tomorrow, and kind of see what we got, see where the uh, maybe the booths are that we want to check out. So we 
can kind of map this out um, ahead of time. So we went around and we saw uh, Obi Sean's um, land speeder car and um, and you know many other things and and the 501st booth and uh, we'll cross that you know we're gonna we want to see that tomorrow and the whole bit and then um, and now it was about half hour maybe 40 minutes after the scheduled closing time yeah. and. Um, there was security so, like, there, right? There was security with like their like their CBs and stuff. They're just sort of like yeah, making they sure were, to kind of yeah, clear they people were kind out. Of, uh, they weren't like real pushy about it, but they were um, urging fans yeah. to to leave. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, you nerds, <laughs> get out of here. Um, and um, so I love Ahsoka. My daughter loves Ahsoka, and um, I've made her some uh, some Ahsoka uh, cosplays and such that she's worn to Disney. And um, she was not able to go with us. So I said, uh, you know, just in case, I'm going to um, take a photo that I've got printed out of her dressed as Ahsoka fighting Darth Vader in the uh-huh. um, Jedi training at Disney. And, um, and I'll bring that just in case. Uh-huh. Okay. So I had it in my backpack. And... Um, so we come across the Her Universe booth. And so, and I think, you know, and so, so Charles and I are, there, are walking, and I said, oh, crap. That's <laughs> Ashley, like, right next to us. Yeah. Like, she was, just, she was just talking to fans. And there's probably a line of, like, six or seven people. And um, so I just hopped on the end of the line. I'm like, okay, let's, you know, let's see her. And, um... So she's just talking, and they had they had like a photo booth set up. So she's taking pictures with him and all. And um, so at this point, I'm in line, and security is like on their walkies, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna shut this down or whatever." And um, so the guy's like, "What am I supposed to do?" There's at this point, there's like maybe 15 people in line. Uh, he's like, "There's all these people waiting here. What do I do?" And the guy's like, "All right, stand at the end of the line and don't let anybody else in." But I'm already in line, right? I'm like, all right, that works. <laughs> so, um, so I get up to, you know, it's it's my turn now. And um, so I said, look, you know, my daughter loves you. You're such an inspiration to to her as a, you know, female heroine and all. And um, so she's she's dressed as you several times in Disney and blah blah blah. And um, so I took out the photo that I had printed. And um, so then she very graciously. Um, oh, signed that for her um, awesome. to take home, which I mean, it, you know, and of course, it it didn't cost me anything. It didn't cost anyone anything. Yeah. She was just there, being very appreciative, and it was That's awesome. Great. Well, that is so great. What I'd like to add to that is that she had two uh, her universe employees. I would say one was sort of like a floor manager, and one was like sort of a another person. Now they probably had a long day, and they were standing around, and you could tell that they were sick of standing around like let's close this this was supposed to be closed almost an hour ago so these two people were exhausted you could tell but ashley was 100 percent in person she was present yeah. she made pat's time feel because i was off to the side i wasn't in line i was just there taking pictures because uh, i didn't really have a skin in the game i was just sort of there to take pictures and i got all these shots so she was genuine 100 percent genuine and pat brought his own sharpie to make it easier just in case we got a signature so she goes to sign his picture, 
and Pat's Sharpie isn't working. So yeah. like, I'm like, oh God, the Sharpie's not working, of course. So what does Ashley do? She takes a Sharpie, she goes behind, goes and gets another Sharpie of her own, comes back and then signs the picture and talk about a genuine 100% not paid for interaction. It was absolutely fantastic. That's great. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And that's, uh, oh, that's what, uh, you know, that's what, that's what makes those types of time, like, you know, celebration and all those, you know, you can have good interactions. Of course, you also have probably bad ones. I'm sure everyone has stories about those, but we've been fortunate to have uh, nothing but, fan, you know, great interactions with the people that we sort of tend to follow and, and, uh, and, you know, like James Arnold Taylor and all these other different stars. And it's always been fantastic. So we've always had great, uh, a great time with that. And uh, our second sort of topic that we'd like to talk to you about is, you know, with the the idea that you have a thirst, and a lot of people have a thirst for those behind-the-scenes um, uh, tidbits and nuggets and stories that filmmakers and the people behind the monsters or the caricatures, or sorry, the characters or the creatures. Um, what do you think about how is it? Does it become more of, more of a spoiler or is it interest because like you can can you consume too much information of a movie or its process that when it comes to the screens like oh you know what i know how that's done and it takes you out of the movie and like is there is there that fine line between the curiosity versus spoiler honestly i if there is i haven't reached it yet i think especially the the older movies the ones that have the finesse and the technique and you see visual effects grow through them, right? I think those more than anything are the ones that I love hearing as many stories as possible about. Uh, my fiance might not agree with me because when we watch one of them together, I'm like, oh, look at that, look at that. Do you know how they made that? This is cool. Um, but I love it. I think it's so great. Um, and there are movies, uh, for instance, I just interviewed uh, Roger Guillette, who was the VFX supervisor for Rise of Skywalker, but in addition to that, he did uh, the VFX for some of the early Harry Potter movies. And so we were talking about that where Harry Potter, for instance, is a perfect example of being able to chart the visual effects progression over, it took probably 12 years for them to make all those Harry Potter movies, and even now we still get the fantastic piece. But you can see visual effects evolve and change movie to movie, which is just incredible. Mm -hmm. And knowing, okay, in the first one they used some crude CG and then they moved into maybe a little more miniature work and then here, you know, and you can see them really kind of push the boundaries and honestly it makes even bad movies better to me um, just appreciating the art form and the technique and I think a lot of that is based in horror too where a bad horror movie can have two or three great gore gags and it almost makes the movie for me <laughs> knowing like, oh, look at the art that it took to bring this to life to make me squirm, like I think that's so yeah. cool. That's like Greg Nicotero is super creative with that sort of stuff. Oh, my God. He's the best, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's another gracious guy. He's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, as far as your appreciation for all things behind the scenes, behind the camera and all, what is your take on the um, filmmakers behind the camera, the directors, and uh, just that whole sort of process that happens you know, off camera. I think it adds a lot more appreciation for me. And I was kind of talking about it earlier, but even makes me appreciate it more and enjoy it more and just kind of 
be able to realize that, yes, it takes an army of people to, to bring this to life. And all of them love Star Wars. That's why they're doing it. That's why they are at ILM now, because they grew up with Star Wars, just like all of us, which is crazy. And then uh, it's easy to get upset when something doesn't go our way or something on screen doesn't reflect what was in my head. Uh, but it's hard to fault the people, the armies and armies of people it takes to make movies now. Um, especially ones that love the same thing I do. So I think not only does it add, um, but it really enhances kind of how I feel about the movies and, and knowing people that worked on them uh, makes me appreciate it more. Yeah, it's funny how you say that because, you know, you you know J.J. Abrams, you know Ryan Johnson, you know uh, Kathleen Kennedy, you know all the big players, right? You know the people, you know, maybe maybe some, you know ILM as, a, as an umbrella, you know, you get that right. you get those sense of um, of people who are behind there. But then when you start to sort of peel back the layers like um, Yoshi Vu is a person that we're familiar with uh, through some of our friends in the pot in our network. But um, he and he's a digital artist and he works on certain scenes and we've seen some of them. And but that's in, you know, it's super specific where he's, you know, they had uh, a still I think it was just yesterday or today where you, he posted a picture uh, of a still from one of the production scenes that he actually worked on. So, you know, you see those hundreds and hundreds of names that sort of flow after the credits and you see where, okay, well, beyond J.J. Abrams and the big names, you know, there's, like you said, there's an army of people who are taking care of that of that movie and then put the passion into it. And then when you see, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the documentary for The Rise of Skywalker. It's like a yeah. two-hour, right? And how amazing that was like the stunt coordinator. There's so many stories in there and you can, the love they pour into it and the day to day passion they put into it. Uh, it almost makes you appreciate the movie more, whether or not you like it, you know I mean? That that's obviously, you know, exactly. it comes down to personal feeling to it. Uh, same thing with solo. I remember watching a solo star Wars story and you saw that round table with the actors and uh, Ron Howard, and you sort of get into the mind of, uh, of how, you know, what they were going through when they made it. And, but like, I'm going to bring it back to what you started with, where when you were young, you were looking at the magazines like Fangoria and you were doing all these, you sort of, you had that passion for the interest of, of watching it and, and learning more about it. Um, I brought up to my wife about the, uh, Mandalorian, uh, the gallery series that's now live on mm -hmm. Disney plus. And I said last night, I said, okay, great. Hey, we can uh, watch the Mandalorian behind the scenes. I don't want to see that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, she goes, no, I, I, it doesn't interest me. I want to watch the show. I don't want to see The Mandalorian again until the show is out. I said, oh, you don't want to see how it's made? She goes, no, I, that's probably going to take away from it from me. So it's funny how you have what maybe the three of us share in common. It's like we just want to absorb every last piece of it and understand that process and understand how that passion comes through. And then you have... Uh, my wife, who loved Mandalorian, loved Baby Yoda, as Pat's showing there on his screen, and was completely engrossed into the story immediately. She couldn't wait for the next episode. But that's where that sort of level ends. You know, so she doesn't want to have that magic ruined. And it's not necessarily about the story, because she was curious about, like, the actors and, or sorry, the characters. And wait, is that, that's not Boba Fett, right? And I said, no, not related, you know, that kind of thing, like, sort of general story arcs. But beyond that, she didn't care about. It. She just wanted to consume the story. And leave the special effects behind because for her it was all part of the magic. Yeah, and I, I definitely see that, right? And I know where people come from there. 
uh, and even my fiance, I think, is more of a tired of me talking about it more than anything else. <laughs> but I do think adding that extra level of appreciation of the art of movie making really just makes pretty much any movie at least somewhat enjoyable when you when you can appreciate the the hundreds of people that have to work on it to make it happen. That's our little discussion we had for you. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Brandon, where can, where can people find you if they're looking for you? Uh, if people want to find Talking Bay, they can find it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Talking Bay 94. Uh, and then of course on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you, um, listen to your podcasts. If you want to follow my personal, actually Brandon, I would really just recommend following Fangoria, uh, anywhere. Cause that's me tweeting <laughs> from there. So, uh, you get your, your fair share of me. Uh, by following all of those. That's fantastic. And uh, once again, I'd like to really thank you for coming on the show. And it was a really, really cool discussion. And uh, it was great to sort of pick your brain on uh, behind the scenes of uh, Brandon. There we go. I love it. Thanks for having me on, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you can find us on uh, our socials. Pat, why don't you run through them? <laughs> um, well, we have a tech guy now that's... that's uh pretty good at those so i'm gonna send that to charles okay let me bring charles in hey charles hey how's it going very good so uh you can find us on uh facebook <laughs> facebook.com forward slash conversations we've got our twitter uh at suasions we also have we're also on instagram as well at uh conversations and we have our spreadshirt shop we just recently launched we uh we have our fun with uh our in-universe t-shirts and topics and that kind of thing so we put them up there you can find us there as well and um, I think that, oh, we also have a website. Yeah, you know, just a website <laughs> at conversations.com where that will sort of be the hub of everything. And um, we're also are part of the Red 5 Network. Uh, great podcast, some great content, a great diversity of, of shows and topics and perspectives. And um, uh, take, a take a moment to take a check out those, those fine folks there. And um, I think that's about it. And with that, the force will be with you. Always. Oh, I could use a illusion manganese liquor. Yeah, I'm thinking of whiskey. Oh, good call. Hmm. Lots to choose from. Do you want a selection from the top shelf? Definitely. The chosen one whiskey, please. Why that one? Well, there was this battle. It's over, Anakin. I have the higher ambient temperature. You underestimate my proofing. You were the chosen one. It was said you'd destroy bad whiskeys, not join them! I'll barrel you! You are my distillery, Anakin! Wow. Okay. I guess instead of top shelf, it should be called the high ground. <laughs> yeah, no. Like any good scotch, it gets darker as it ages. Chosen One Whiskey. All the body, none of the legs.